Welcome to an All Saints Conversation. I am Connie Willems. I'm Brock Bingham. Today we have a topic we haven't touched on before. We're going to be talking about leadership. Yes. And give us the whole All Saints name. All Saints Center for Theology, Spirituality, and Leadership. And we've touched on theology and spirituality in our conversations, but we haven't touched on leadership. Yes. So we thought we would do that today. And one of the things that sparked my interest in doing this is that you've recently started a leadership group with a collection of men that you're taking through some leadership practices. And when I heard what you were doing, I got intrigued. So I have a bunch of questions about it. Great. Great. And we thought this was the best place to bring them. I want to say just off the bat, this goes back 25 years ago or more. And the whole model for what I've done over the many years comes from a group of women at the Evanston Vineyard Church in Chicago. How interesting, because that's one of the things I wanted to know is I'm noticing as I'm looking at this a different approach and I wanted to know where it came from. So this is 25 years ago. We're Mm -hmm. in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And what were you seeing these women do? I think each person over several years was taking some core ideas, values, and practices and applying their own to that mix. So some of what I'm doing now wasn't happening. Mm, But these women were gathering in groups and inspiring one another to mentor other people. Now, do you know what started them doing that? Were they focusing on mentoring or leadership? All of it. Okay. I mean, they, they were just seeing the need. The Holy Spirit was moving big time. And so people were coming into the church, into the churches, and they were in an all-hands-on-deck situation themselves. So they looked around and said, we need leaders. And so they were doing all that they could to mobilize, raise up, and equip leaders. And they landed on a certain model of doing that, it sounds like. Really, for them, it was getting the right people in the room together. Mm. And so the relational connection was huge. Why was the room together part? What was that? Well, rather than a leader, the facilitator of the group, thinking, I can personally mentor 10 people. If I get 10 people in the room with me, they begin to mentor one another. Mm. So I facilitate that. And yes, I bring certain ideas, certain practices, certain theologies into that context. But you sit back and watch these relationships form or strengthen with the group. It's completely different. So you were watching that. So 25 years ago, you were, what, in your 20s, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah, watching Cindy Nicholson, mm. Cheryl Hanawalt, and others lead these groups. And it was so powerful. It changed the whole church. What effects did you see on them and then on the church? On them, the leaders? Yeah. or Oh, it's just hard to describe. It was uh, energizing, catalyzing, exciting, uh, the leaders were almost uh, addicted to this. Mm. Like, okay, I'm doing this group for six months and then we're going to take a four week break. And then who do we, which next 10 people do we get together? So there was such an energy around it and they would tell their personal stories to one another. The opening weeks that would be, you get together and you share your stories um, unedited. So it was very raw at times like an AA meeting. I mean, you're showing up and, divulging, sharing a level of transparency that set the tone for the group. And then out of that, different leadership and mentoring skills, 
life vision and purpose statements together, sometimes going out and doing outreach. So it's and you powerful. said it catalyzed the church? What catalyzed happened? the church completely. I haven't thought mm-hmm. about this in a long time, but I, I think for one, it communicated to the church, if you're going to be an active member here, you're going to be an active member. <laughs> so if you're looking for a place to come and just kind of hang out and sit and be fed, this is not the place. We're actually feeding you and giving these things to you so that you can turn around and utilize those things and serve and mentor. So I watched that. And I think people were also catalyzed to reach outside the walls of the church. So Mm. in those women's groups, you would have three or four who were, you know, artists or whatever. They're doing things outside the church on a regular basis. And so they begin to take what they're learning into those contexts and before you know it, those women are inviting their friends and colleagues and others to the church. And so the church was growing. They were feeding the leaders, empowering the leaders, and then at a grassroots level that changed the church, energized the church. I have two questions that I just, so I don't want to forget them, but I'm going to ask this one first. You said this was happening among the women. Obviously, you're not a woman. Were the men watching it and thinking, well, wait a minute, what do we do? Oh, exactly. That's, that's what happened. Um, Steve Nicholson and some of the other leaders were observing this happening, and they were saying, well, we're going to take some of these same ideas and practices, and we're going to have groups of men. So we're going to recruit emerging leaders, young leaders, start bringing them together. And so the men did it also. So you can imagine dozens of Mm. these groups happening, you know, just about every day of the week. And that would change a congregation. Change a a church. Yeah. So here's my second question then. That was 20 some years ago Mm -hmm. and it has stuck with you. Why was that so powerful all these years later? I think I saw things happening in these different groups, a level of transformation I hadn't seen before. So I watched people literally change over six months. Do you think that was, this is just what the Holy Spirit's doing at the moment, so that's why we're getting the transformation? Or was there something about the container that it was happening in that was creating it? Both. I think people were cooperating. They were recognizing, okay, the Holy Spirit is moving significantly. So what do we do to deepen that Mm. and to kind of dig furrows for the water to kind of irrigation of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And if you get the right people who are ripe and hungry for these things, I did, I watched people's lives be rearranged completely and it set them on a course for the rest of their lives. So I can think of people right now who are all over the country and all over the world whose lives were changed because of some of those groups going on. That picture you had that you just used of an irrigation field for yeah. the water of the Holy Spirit, yeah. that's a great picture of not just seeing living water cascade down, but going, okay, how do we build the canals yeah. that can send this somewhere? Yeah, that's what these groups were about. So watching it was a pastoring, a leading of renewal and visitation and spiritual awakening. These people knew enough to pastor it well. 
and to not let it be lost or not to say, hey, we need more meetings. We need more kind of blow out TNT. They had that, but yeah. it really was, okay, now it's time to leave the big meetings and go into the living rooms. And so I watched that displayed and it, it was incredible. The other thing was the mix of people. So the groups were not focused on uh, vocational kind of full-time ministry people. It was all the people of the church. In that context, what did leadership mean? Did it mean leading other people or did it mean some kind of influence? What did all it mean? All of those things. Okay. I, think it, I think it meant a measure of influence. There were some people who were really involved. In, I remember one guy, Nabisco. He worked in Nabisco. And he was influential in this corporate context and touched, you know, his hands were involved in a lot of people's lives. But in the church, he really wasn't a dynamic leader at all. But man, in his workplace, he just ministered to a lot of people and carried hope and love and served people at Nabisco. He was in one of those groups. So I just remember vividly people, people from all walks of life coming into that same living room and sparking, sharpening one another. It was real exciting. You have a living room going of your own right now yeah, yeah. where you have people from all walks of life mm -hmm. coming in. What kind of sparks have you seen? I'm assuming you have seen sparks. Yeah, seen, yeah. seen some. If you look at some of the things that we're talking about, I've got a deliberate plan in my back pocket. So can I mention the deliberate yeah, plan sure. here? Okay, so you've just handed me a list of topics, practices, and skills that you're covering with them. And I looked at this list and thought, okay, you have a really different idea of leadership if this is what you're teaching them. Why does it look different? I would expect on a leadership list to see things like how to craft a mission, how to craft values, how to lead people or lead an enterprise or lead a task. I mean, we're talking about leadership. And there are things on here such as reflective listening that feels like it kind of turns a popular idea of leadership on its head. Hmm. Why is that? Why is reflective <laughs> listening turning popular leadership? Well, I can tell you why it feels like it turns it on my head, but then I have to turn around and say, what do you mean by reflective listening? Yeah. Um, it's interesting, and this is probably why you have it on the list. When I think of most leadership, I don't think of them as being particularly good listeners. Mm. So turning leadership on its head means the leaders doing something in relationship with people that I don't often see. So what is it you're actually teaching them with reflective listening? What is that? How to listen. <laughs> so we, we get, we start the group and this is, over the years, this is a, a common thing. The opening weeks are biblical meditation. So first and foremost, when we come together, we look at the scriptures, we look at some ideas from the Psalms, we start with biblical meditation. No matter who the group is, whatever walks of life, that's where we start. And that gets people turning to Jesus, turning to the scriptures, and then we talk about a really feasible plan of meditating for a minute or two a day. And I'm assuming you're also praying them like we've talked about doing with the arrow prayers. Exactly. So in that group, we are actually met. We'll, we took John 15, which yeah. is at the bottom of the page, and we 
pray and we begin to practice. And for some, they've done it before. And this attunes them. They start listening to God. Yeah. And they start listening to the scriptures. And so then in the next few weeks, we start talking about listening to one another. Why? And why? I, I think first and foremost, it's probably the most uh, tangible way to tell someone they really matter mm-hmm. and that you respect them, you honor them, you value who they are and what they have to say. So if you're going to be a leader or a mentor to me, that's one thing you want to communicate to the person or people that you're with is I, I value you. I want to hear what you have to say. Do you think we hear well? Do you? Do I think that or yeah. do I hear? Do you, hmm. do you think that we, and who's we? Is yeah. We in general or? We in general. Well, it's, uh, we in general is too big. So let's keep it down to we potential leaders. Yeah. Okay. I, I think probably not. Yeah. I know that personally I've had to learn listening when I started learning how to do coaching with people. Mm-hmm the first thing they taught us was how to listen. And I recognized, oh, I really don't do this. Mm-hmm. And became aware of how often I had the choice to listen to somebody or not. Mm-hmm. It's not a choice of being in conversation with them or not, but I, you can be in conversation and not listen at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's a time for that. Yeah. Frankly. I mean, there, if someone is attacking someone else or something... It, there is a way to filter and not take in everything. That's a separate conversation. But in this context with these, this group of guys, a dozen of them, some of them are pretty good listeners, others, not so much. So in that context, the the first exercise we do is I ask someone about their day in front of everyone. I don't really tell them what they're doing, but I'll say, Hey, tell me about your day. That person begins to share. And I'm looking at them and showing interest and then drawing them out with very basic questions. You know, how was your day? Tell me about your day. Someone saying this and then I said, well, tell me about that. What? And so you're it's going not deeper rocket into science. It. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's not. And I think sometimes active listening or reflective listening can be a little burdensome that somehow you've got to <laughs> rephrase back to yeah. them. And I don't think it really has to be that way. It's just paying attention. That's right. And some guys, yeah, I'm going to stereotype a little bit. Some guys, it's, it's a struggle. So they're trying to be attentive and listen and follow the train of thought. And so we practice that together. And so we've done that a couple nights. And we talk about that. How do you do this in your marriage? How do you do this with friends? How do you do this with colleagues? And it might be a little bit different. But the core is the same. Showing interest. And then here are some things that you can say. Phrases. And, and then we practice. So we do it over and over again in front of each other. And give each other feedback. That feels intriguing to me. And <laughs> I'm guessing that group of men in your living room are probably some of them are squirming pretty badly. I wish they could see your face right now. (laughs) Yeah. By and large though, they're people are hungry. They want to, you get the right people in the room. They want to learn. And there's a measure of humility and saying, I I don't do this very well. And who can't grow in their listening skills? Everybody, everybody can. And so you're seeing this listening to scripture, listening to God as you meditate Mm -hmm. on it, 
listening to each other. And there's a whole bunch of other practices on here, but even just with those practices, how would you see that shaping a leader differently? Well, I would ask you before I I said you made a comment, a lot of leaders that you know tend to not be very good listeners. Why is that? So the silence is me pausing and thinking. There's there's two answers that came to mind. I don't know how accurate they are, but one of them is it takes time. And often there is a great deal of time pressure associated with leading something. If you're in a meeting, there's always more things to get done than there is time. And it just takes time if you're going to listen. The other thing that came to mind, which I haven't really thought about, was that there is a vulnerability to it. Because when you're listening, you don't, I think it's tempting for a leader to portray the ability of, I know what's going on. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not out of my depth. I'm not feeling stupid. I'm Mm -hmm. not anything, but listening invites um, vulnerability. Mm -hmm. It's the only way I can say it. Mm -hmm. Wow. What do you think? I think those are, those are very moving answers. Time crunch and then vulnerability. And so what if, leaders began to view part of their role, part of empowering other people is listening to them attentively. I mean, I find it difficult, the thought of leading people without really knowing them or knowing what's needed, what they're needing. So other thing that you just put in there, which is so natural to you that you may not recognize it is you said part of leading people, empowering them is listening. Yeah. And your definition of leading is to empower. Yeah, no question. If you're not doing that, I'm not sure you're doing leadership. Say more about that. What does that mean? I remember John Wimber was saying, how do you know you're a leader? Well, you look over your shoulder. If people aren't following you, you're probably not a leader. And he would say, too, that part of people following you is you listen to them, you value them, you empower them. Why did that so, impact you when oh, you heard I that? I don't know. I just think there's something of Jesus in that. That you know, Jesus took a dozen people and asked them questions and listened. I mean, who do you say I am? You know, it was always asking questions and getting them to discover and empowering them regularly. We looked at this in All Saints last night. Mark 3, first and foremost, they were called to be with him. And a lot of that was conversation and listening. And he was a pretty good leader. And he was all about giving to the disciples, divesting all authority, all power, empowering them, raising them up. Because that passage said um, he called them to be with him. And then the second part of it was he was sending them out. That's right. First, And a big part of that. You know, I don't. I don't know if I've ever read a book on the listening skills of Jesus. I think there's mention of it in some leadership books. I'm looking at some on my shelf, but that would be an interesting study: is to look at the le- the listening skills of of Jesus. And there may be some gaps in there, but I just I don't know. To me, as the essence of leadership is to empower other people mm. and to recede into the background. What does it look like when? An emerging leader is empowered. Still stuck on one of the other. Why don't you answer that? What's it look like? For some reason, my mind went to a geeky place with what the word empower means. 
Does it mean putting power into a person? Yeah, like putting it in there, and then maybe there's already power residing in them, and so you're helping to screw the lid off and be a midwife for what's inside of them already. And reveal um, what's there. Yeah, what's there. What was your mind stuck on? The other question about vulnerability. So I think, okay, leaders, the essence of that is to empower other people, to raise them up. It's not really about what's in the leader. Right. It's what's in them. Effective leadership says, hey, I'm going to help see that blossom and emerge. But the vulnerability piece, if a leader is a know-it-all, I don't think they're a very good leader. So if part of what they have to do is display, I know this, I know all these things, and I know more than you, and I can't be stumped in these things, I, I don't really think that's leadership. I can see your face, and I can see conviction in that, yeah, as you say. Deep I've, conviction. How did that conviction develop? Boy, I don't know. I think some of the leaders that I value most through personal interaction or even reading and history, they were humble. So a big part of leadership is not being a know-it-all. That's part of it, is you're resourcing other people, and you are saying through your leadership, I am limited. I yeah. can't do it all, and I shouldn't. This is about a team effort here. So I want to listen to you. I want to draw things out. I want to empower you. I want to see you empowered. And so it requires humility. Not Some of the most knowledgeable, skilled, gifted leaders, I've heard them say, I don't know. It's a great question. We got, why, don't, why, don't we look, yeah, why don't we look into that together? Why don't you go figure that out and we can come have a conversation and you can teach me about it. Wow. Who is one of those humble leaders? John Wember. Hmm. John Wember. Yeah. You got a chance to be around him, it sounds got like. Got a chance to be around him. And then the person that mentored me was deeply influenced, impacted by, by Wember. And it's, yeah. I'm just looking at that and realizing the, his legacy mm. is flowing down generation, generationally. You're still yeah. carrying that yeah. in an unexpected way. Thousands of people. Because he was a drug addict in Las Vegas producing yeah. music for the Righteous Brothers, just as he said, a debauched pagan. And Jesus invaded his life and he said, I'm all in completely. Mm. So he went after the Lord and he happened to be a really good leader. And so he left all that and went and worked in kind of a factory context and hiddenness. And then the Lord raised him up to be a powerful influencer in the church. He's a great leader. Yeah. Super humble. Super humble guy. There is a lot more we could explore on leadership, and we're going to have more chances to do this. But I've enjoyed this discovery, just an exploration. Yeah. I would urge people, if you're listening and you're interested in leadership development or mentoring, get busy. Find someone in your life that you can listen to, that you can pour into, that you could study the Bible with. Start reading the book of John. I mean, it does not have to be complicated and difficult. Anyone can grow in leadership and mentoring skills and empowering other people. And it can start tomorrow. So find someone. Don't yeah. wait and read 10 books on it. Start start now. Say, Lord, teach me how to mentor and how to be a leader and raise up other leaders. Yeah, and pass on to the next pass generation. On. That's right. That's how it happened. Thank you, Brock. Thank you, Connie. This is great. Mm -hmm. You can find out more about All Saints on our website, allsaints.center, and we'll talk to you again. Mm -hmm. Thank you.